0: Hello, everyone, and welcome again to another one of my uh, podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. And as you can see, I'm also doing it. Well, you can't see if you're listening, that's a bit silly, but I'm also doing it on video on uh, on Zoom in these strange times in uh, the time of COVID uh, 19. I'm delighted to uh, have uh, Stuart, Stuart Bennett, all the way from sunny Brisbane uh, on uh, online, as it were, where we kind of bumped into each other on, uh, on LinkedIn, started a conversation. And uh, Stuart is, um, I'm probably going to get this wrong, but He's in the round an executive coach uh, in the professional service sector, primarily for um, law Firm, which is very much a market that uh, that I focused on. So, Stuart and I have had a bit of to to and fro um, on LinkedIn, and I thought, hey, why not get Stuart on the on the podcast? Uh, Let's have a chat, see what he's seeing on his side of the world, and then uh, see where this goes. So, uh, Stuart, who, what, why, where? Well, thanks for
1: having me on, first of all, Alex. That's pretty cool. We did connect on LinkedIn, which is fitting, given that's your sort of area of expertise. Yeah. That we actually connected on LinkedIn. Yeah, so look, I'm an executive coach that works basically with lawyers. Um, I call myself a thought partner, and that's mainly because I think that's what I largely do. Officially, it's executive coaching, but I'm kind of like a sounding board and a confident for senior lawyers, usually probably from the senior associate level up to partner. I work with most lawyers in most areas of law, from commercial lawyers to personal injury lawyers, the whole breadth. Mainly at the big end of town. Mm-hmm. Um, a few of the sort of mid-sized firms. I occasionally have people come to me directly, which I work with, but it's just, just, just by circumstances, it tends to be the, big, the bigger end of town. And I have a bit of a specialisation, I guess, with uh, councils going to partnership. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of, big, that's the, sort of seemingly the big leap in, in a lawyer's career. And so I often work with counsel and firms get me in to help the counsel get through to partnership. Awesome. Um, yeah, so that's, that's what I roughly do. Why I do this? I'll give you the short version. Um, there is a longer version. <laughs> of course, there's always a longer version. Indeed. Um, I was an academic originally. Uh, I used to teach corporate governance um, and uh, up here in Queensland, actually on the Gold Coast, which is a very nice place to be at the university near the beach, et cetera, et cetera. And um, I got offered a job at the University of Sydney, and it was in my area. It was a really good job, sort of the job. I don't know about a dream job, but it was a dream job for the time. But, you know, it was the right, really good job for the time. And um, so I accepted it. And just before I took it up, I got chronically ill, and I was chronically ill for about seventeen years, which. As you can imagine, it's a fairly long time. So I wasn't able to work for about 17 years. And so when I started to get better, I had this, I want to do something completely different. Mm-hmm. And, and someone said to me, oh, I had a friend who was a partner in an organisational development firm out of Sydney called Nouse. And she said, to me, you make a great coach. And I thought to myself, that sounds like a group hug. <laughs> 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 I, I'm not really sure that sort of thing. What is this thing? And she said, oh, no, 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 don't be so cynical um i'm going through this work thing talk me through it we'll, we'll, you know you sort of do this anyway and so i thought oh so i sort of worked with her through it and then i did some training and um then i thought all right i'll give this bat thing a bash And i sort of coached whoever i could and i started mm-hmm. out from consultants to government to artists i think i actually also coached a busker right okay <laughs> used to be homeless was trying to trying to make it as a bus so this core cool things i come across a. Um, a, it would have been a law partner, it might be quite a little bit separate to law, um, IP, in the IP yeah. space. It was a quasi-law sort of place and um, I coached him and when I coached him it sort of really opened my eyes out to the legal profession mm-hmm. um, and the nature of the law firm and it sort of struck me that the nature of the law firm generalising, the nature of personality attracted to the law yeah. and the um, not so modern law firm business model. So it really lent itself to coaching, it really lent itself to having some time out to stop and reflect on what you're doing, why you're doing it. Um, yeah. All my clients generally are either extremely busy, yeah, and if they're not, they're extremely worried. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's the kind of two extremes in there, and I'm sure there's some in the middle, but often you know you're either really, really busy, and that means you're trying to balance all those things like being a leader as well as being on the tools trying yeah. to deal with work, some sort of semblance of work-life balance while working mm-hmm. massive hours. Yeah. Or, you're, or you're, say, you're a litigator and you've had a couple of really big pieces of work and they've closed and you were so busy running those you hadn't really filled your pipeline quite yet. You know, a couple of circumstances, you might get conflicted out of a couple of pieces of work and suddenly you've got to go, oops! like I've yeah. got to get my budget back up after smashing it for so many years. So you've got all those sort of challenges. So I think that's where, why. Is there a how in there
0: there's a how there's a bit of a how and i was sort of looking at your um uh you know because obviously I've, I've you know worked in a law firm as uh as well and uh you know some of the areas that you you cover just looking at your linkedin profile so leadership development business development profile branding profile building and internal influence i think is an interesting an interesting one um high performance team building career transitions Work life integration, providing thought proving, insightful seminars. That's an interesting one as, uh, as, as well, which you know, certainly from my experience. And I had a Myers Briggs test done when I was um, at uh, Berman, Nathan Paisen, at BLP, as was before the, uh, the merger. And I'm very much on the E, I think I'm EN, ENTJ, so the extrovert kind of side of things. Whereas, and again, generalists, lawyers are very much on the I side of things and kind of the introverts. And I remember my, um, my former boss, Dominic, uh, having come from a kind of out-and-out sales background. You know, One thing that he explained to me is that lawyers are very, very cerebral, they like process. And I come from big four PwC um, consulting, so I was kind of used to that environment of uh, having robust conversations and debates. And he said, whatever you do, don't fill the gaps. And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, if you say something, and there's a pause, because he's ex as a salesperson, You know we want to fill the gap because we're kind of uncomfortable. Oh, my God, no one's saying anything. Yeah. Whereas what the lawyers are typically doing is they're analyzing and processing what you're saying, and they need that silence to kind of help the thought process. And if you interrupt that silence, that is kind of almost an affront to you know, the psychology of how their brain works. And it was a real transition for me to kind of get to – I come from the consulting environment into this kind of very cerebral environment, and also being a non-person for the first time ever in my life, being referred to as a non-lawyer. I was like, "Yeah, yeah. really? What?" Um, so, what are the what are the main? And again, I appreciate we're talking broad brushstrokes. So, what are the kind of the main things that a uh, let's 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 focus on counsel moving to partner initially because that is a big transition, or you know, in the UK senior associate to, to partner you know, what, what are the sort of things that they have to grapple with to make that, that leap?
1: Yeah, let me just comment on that thing you said first. I think that's really insightful. I think yeah, your boss had a really good insight there, that, that idea of not filling the gap. So I think that's, look, as a coach, that's something you, you, you have to do. Mm. So there's, there's, you know, silence. And I think the other thing you make observation, lawyers tend to be cerebral, and I quite like that. I think that's, I mean, I think it's, from a business perspective, it's probably an easier business as an executive coach in other industries than in law firms just it's a hard to get I mean it's a hard area again I mean I've had jokes like there's a senior partner in Brisbane who's introduced me to places I would have got work for him and that and he wouldn't have a coach and he's just said to me straight up it's a bit like saying you go and see a psychologist you know it's this sort of you've got a little bit of that around there as well yet you've got that on one side the other side I've been quite fortunate people have been willing to give me open testimonials testimonials Mm -hmm. on my website so and I get work through mainly through word of mouth. So you've got this sort of strange sort of mix of um, just a strange dynamic, I think, yeah. culture as well. But then, yeah, the celebralness is what appeals. I, I, it might be harder for me to get work as a business here, but the quality of the work's is fantastic. No. I mean, I, my clients, I, work, I love working with my clients. So they're great. They're all smarter, brighter um, than I am. And it's fantastic to sort of play a bit of a role in their, in their careers. So to get to your question, I mean, the obvious thing with part, counsel to partner is get all your metrics in order, right? yeah law firms are metrics driven in the end you know like it's very hard to have a conversation about being partner unless you can show that your metrics are right up there with competing with all the other people in your firm particularly if an international firm in lots of different markets around the world with very different not maybe not maybe similar metrics but different very different business situations yeah um so your metrics have to be sort of you're right and i think you have to when I work with a council, it's usually they've ticked all the boxes. Mm-hmm. So you've got your metrics right. People want to put you up. You've got the main things. And the question you're trying to do is you're trying to fine-tune and you're trying to differentiate yourself from that top level to just that extra level. And I think the key with that is narrative. And that's the story you're telling. Mm-hmm. So where you're going, what you're doing. So, yeah, you've got a business case. I mean, I can think of, I won't say who, but I, I work, I do help um, some council about the partnership in a, in, a, in a sort of magic circle style firm. And, because um, if I say magic circle, that's probably narrowing it down a bit too much, isn't it? But we say <laughs> magic circle style. Um, and if you look at all the applicants, all the, all the, all the people going up to the partnership, there's not much difference, right? Yeah. There's, there's not a lot of difference. You know, you've got different areas. You might be in commercial, one might be in banking. But if you look at the core things, they use the same language that the company wants to use. Yeah. They, they know what the metrics, they haven't got up unless they've ticked off the metrics. The managing partner's not going to put them up unless they've ticked off mm-hmm. the metrics. So you've got this thing. And what tends to happen is it tends to become very corporate. Anyone could read it. So you could just read, your, read out your business case. It just sounds like any other business case anywhere around anywhere. And so one of the, one of the things I do is, is I try and get them to think about that in a much more personal way. What's your personal story? You know, why are you a lawyer? Why mm-hmm. do you want to be a partner? And just look at a bigger picture. And that helps you start to weave a bit of a story through. And so I think that's sort of an important part of it. The other part is, you know, if you want to get up to partnership, you've got to be known internally. Mm-hmm. It's not enough to be just a fantastic technical lawyer. Yeah. And I think that's quite frustrating for some lawyers because they can be absolutely fantastic technical lawyers. But you know, if they had their ideal, they're probably. I mean, the extreme case would be that they'd like to be in their office in a black box and the work comes in once yeah. and then out it <laughs> goes the other, and I don't have to deal with anyone. You know, there's people like so. It's about building a profile, which you touched on before. And, and I think, you know, we often think about turning, talking about profile as external to the firm, you know, the, the mm-hmm. seminars, all that sort of stuff. But if you're, in a, if you're in a big international law firm, it's the internal stuff that's really yep. important. You know, somewhere someone's going to ask, Alex, you're going up for a partner, they're going to ask some senior associate somewhere in the back of Hong Kong in a yep. conversation that happened, what do you think of Alex?
0: What's right, he yeah.
1: like? Yeah, yeah. You know, that's someone's going to ask that question. And then someone's going to be sitting on a panel somewhere, making a decision about whether you your partner off and got another 20 to, like 20 to 60 people there. Yeah. And in the back of their voice, they've got, yeah, Alex, he was a nice bloke. He, he, he's he really solid. And I think, and I, I'm speaking out of school because I'm not in a law firm. I think the subjectivity at that level is pretty high. And maybe even more so when you get to equity, like the subject, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's much more, Sorry, business case driven. You've got to be able to show your metrics. The metrics. Yeah. But the element is, you know, who knows you?
0: That's a really interesting because <clears throat> it's not the first time I've heard that. Um, we were talking before we kind of came online, a good, good friend of mine, at one of the, uh, the big four, when he was going up for partner, <clears throat> he said having gone through that process, one of the, the key things now he's kind of in the, in the camp, as it were, when yeah. someone, someone's name is mentioned around the table, if kind of there's just tumbleweed and everyone just quickly moves on, then, you know, that person hasn't got a chance in hell, irrespective of how good a technical person they are for whatever they are. You know, it's, you, you have to be um, you have to be known. It's really interesting actually hearing you talk about the, uh, the narrative because. Yeah, the metrics are the metrics, right? Billables, all this kind of stuff, revenue, how you built your business case, and uh, and so on. I, mean, I think we'll park the management bit for a, for a moment in terms of the people management bit, yeah. but much in terms of what I do. And I agree with you. I, you know, I was, you know, one of my colleagues I worked with said, "Why are you going for professional services? They'll never buy what we do." And I was like, "I've been in the industry. It'll take time, but once you're in, you're in." yeah and much like, you, much like you, I really enjoy working with lawyers, and especially partners, because once they get it, in terms of what I do around um, leveraging social media, you see the light bulb over them, and they get it, because they are intelligent human, um, human beings. They just need logic and process behind it. And We very much talk about when I'm working, if I'm working with a partner, I say, okay, on paper, technically, you are exactly the same as partner X in the building next door, in a law firm, different color branding, but they do the same. So what is it that you bring to the table that they don't, where technically on paper you do the same thing? And sometimes I get, okay, I need to think about that. So I then play it back, okay, if I picked up the phone to any of your clients right now, how would they describe to me what you do for them? And I doubt very much they start with X, Y, Z as a partner, with X number of years and da da da. They talk to me in a business capacity around the value that you bring over and above being a technically brilliant lawyer. It's that kind of a commerciality uh, around it. And it's, once they kind of understand that if they can then tell their narrative. So, you know, uh, I'm working with um, uh, Herbert Smith Freehills at the moment, and I'll talk about it publicly. And uh, one of their counsel, he's actually just been promoted to partner. You have these conversations and it transpired. In his former life, he was a detective in Australia. And some of his okay. colleagues didn't even know that he was a detective in his, in his former life, yeah. in, you know, in yeah. Australia. And now we have that story on his profile, and it's a real conversation starter. Now, I, I granted, not everybody, can kind of, not everybody has a unique background like that, but everyone has a story to tell, right? Yeah. Oh,
1: absolutely. I think it is. And, and it's a way to connect as well, isn't it? Yeah. It's a, kind of, it's a kind of another way to show a little bit of vulnerability in a strange way. You wouldn't think, well, for lawyers, it's showing vulnerability anyway. I
0: not show weakness.
1: <laughs> yeah, you just, you're just sort of showing that I'm, I'm more than just a collection of my titles and, and where I've worked in the last, you know, 15, 20 years. And you're sort of building a bit of a picture. And I, I mean, if, if anything, this COVID-19 and what the sort of shape of the world in it. But well, one thing I know is, so I don't know if about you, but I've talked to more people in the course of the time I've been away than I have done in, in months, you know, you, you, and, and it's about relationships, isn't it? You sort of, I'm talking to my contacts as business relationships. And I think, I think it's the same for lawyers as well, you know, and part of that is showing that personality and that relationship sort of stuff on, on LinkedIn. It's a profile.
0: How so, do you, on, on the internal influence piece, because there's some interesting narratives coming out online around um, how social media um, in kind of the communities, has created this this community effect, and I know people. You know, I know people more on Facebook now than I do on the. St- I probably in terms of people on our street. I probably won't tell you who they were walking past them. I now know who they are on Facebook or the WhatsApp groups that have been set up to support the vulnerable and uh, and so on. Yeah. And there's, there's now this narrative around how can organisations kind of harness that and bring that into the business so you create these uh, these internal. Uh, these internal communities. Now, the partnership structure doesn't necessarily lend itself uh, to that because you basically got 100, 200, 300 uh, CEOs. So how do you, even kind of pre-COVID-19, how would you advise someone to <clears throat> drive that internal influence, but not come across as an arsehole at the same time when they're doing it, if you get my drift?
1: Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a challenge. I think this depends of where you're coming from. Like if you're coming from the firm's perspective or you're coming from your perspective where you have that experience in social media and you see the benefits of how to do it, you come from a certain perspective. Now, when I come for working with a client whilst I'm paid by the firm, I'm looking at it from my client's perspective. Of course, yeah. the ideal of a coaching, in- coaching environment is to see what the firm wants, yeah. find out what the client wants and see where they align and focus on the alignment. That's, that's the outcome what you get of coaching. You're both aligning for the same mm-hmm. sort of course. So, to build influence as an individual uh, is a slightly different thing yep. than to collect as a whole, as building influence and connect people all together. So, it's a, it's a, maybe a slightly more self-interested view on, on influence. And when I talk about influence in this sense, it's like I talked about just before, you know, it's about being known. So, it's like, I often ask two questions like, who do you need to know?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, it's probably three. Who needs to know you? Yeah. And what do you want to be known for?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and i know it's a really simple thing but a generally thing and the thing is people have a, a perception of you um and i'm big on feedback so yep. I, I always try and get my clients to get feedback in some shape or form and my argument for feedback is essentially that um it's information that already exists it's just new to you right. like people have a view on you right people got a view you can decide if you want to tap into that or not if you don't ask feedback then you can sort of you can stay in that world of ignorance or delusion i mean Oscar Wilde said, "Like ignorance is like an exotic flower; touch it, and the bloom is gone." And I kind of like that. There is an element of that if you want to know, but what you do is when you get that information, when you get that feedback, whether you've had a 360 or whether it's more personal feedback, now you've got something to do. You've got something you can work on. You've got some data, and think, "Well, I don't accept that. It's yeah. not true." But and then you've got two things. Then you've got something you might have to change. Maybe you need to change the way you conduct yourself in meetings. Maybe you need to change the way you conduct yourself as a leader. Maybe you need to be less abrupt, better in your delegation, et cetera, et cetera, whatever it is. Um, maybe you need to be better at building your business. Uh, maybe you need to be a better technical lawyer. You've got the reality of something you might have to improve on. Mm-hmm. But you've got the bigger challenge often, and that's the perception. Alex, Alex, Alex is an absolute git to work with. Yep. That's, what, that's the gem. Like you talk to senior associates. they say he's an absolute gift to work with. He's just, you know, he sets unrealistic expectations. Yeah. He gives me deadlines at 7, a.m., 7, 7 p.m. at night, expects it at 9 a.m. on the morning next morning and then doesn't give to the client for two weeks later. You know? Yeah. And, and, and maybe that happened once, right? But right. extreme circumstances for a legitimate reason, but you didn't get the time because yeah. you're so smashed to explain to the associate or the senior associate what happened mm-hmm. and suddenly this is an impression of you. That's just one example. And so you need to deal with that oppression because, you know, as I said, somewhere someone asks someone, what's it like to work? With? Is an absolute gift to work with. You don't mm-hmm. really want that sort of thing. Now, I'm not saying this is just my view, of course. This is one mm-hmm. view of this. This is not the, but this is how I look at it from clients it's, well, what's the impression of someone? How do you build influence? And I also think, you know, the reality is there's certain decision makers in a, in a law firm. Mm-hmm. They're often partners, they're often senior partners as an executive. It makes sense that they know you. Yeah. And they know what you do. And mm-hmm. then you have to find a way to share what you do in a way that doesn't make yourself, as you explained before, you don't yourself look like a, a self aggrandizing git, you know, but you letting people know your narrative and your story, what you're doing. If you've done a big piece of work, do the right people know about it? Or if you're building your practice in a certain way, do, do, are you having the right conversations? And there's a number <clears throat> of
0: ways to go As a, as a coach then, you know, focusing on, I said I've spent three years in, <clears throat> in industry. So I, I've, I've seen those individuals that you uh, refer to and sometimes that's just who they are in terms of their, um, their personalities. And sometimes it is what it is and you just, and I think, you know, 10 years ago, five years ago, it was kind of acceptable. It'd be interesting to see what the next generation does accept. But if we, it reflects on the fact that lawyers are typically more on the eye side they 're not comfortable in terms of actually coming out of their little black box of being a technical person they 're not that much of a people person yeah. how, how do, we help do we help someone actually how do you help someone actually over, overcome that in terms of you, know, you advise them this is what I suggest you do. They then go and try and do that it 's a clunky approach to the exact who like, what 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 go away. i 'm not interested in that because They've tried to do something, it hasn't worked. They then may come back to you and go, oh, hang on a second, Stuart. You told me to go and do you coach me to go and do this. I did that, and that's now backfired on what you told me to do. So one thing I would say about coaching is I don't generally give
1: advice. I don't say to a client, You should go and do this. Mm-hmm. The idea of coaching, of good coaching, well, you do you do give advice at times, so that's not you might not give advice. So if someone asks yeah. you, should I go and get a mentor? Yes, I yes. should give. Advice. Should I get some <laughs> feedback? That's a pretty good idea. Do you think I should talk to my boss about, you know, there's certain things where yeah, you exactly. will you know, you sort of give basic risks because in the reasonable course of things, mm-hmm. they're the things that help you get ahead in your career and that. So, um, but what I would do is explore someone's view on like, well, you've got this challenge. Let's use yeah. that example you got. So you've got, let's have a look at this feedback. Mm-hmm. We're told that you're really difficult to work with. Mm-hmm. What do you want to do about it? Well, what do you see? Is that significant to you? They might say, no, it's just because I've got really high expectations. I expect really high of them. And you say, okay, all right, cool. But you've got a problem because everyone thinks you're a Git to work with. How are you going to balance that? And you're getting a fairly big high churn, and the managing partner wants this to be improved before you go up the partnership. What do you want to do about it? Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it depends. It's a very individual thing, but often of people will say, well, I don't really want to come across that way. I don't really like that they think of me that way. It's just that's how I get things done. You know, this is the work. And so then we'll ask to explore, well, what's ways ways which we could address that? What are some of the key things? You know, you might pull up this one for an example. And this is consistent. This is a consistent one everywhere. If someone thinks someone, if an associate or junior lawyer thinks someone's difficult to work with, it's often unrealistic deadlines that seemingly afterwards weren't that necessary. It seems to be a real sore point. I mean, there's lots of other things, but this seems to be a sore point. So then you could ask your client about that, well, what, what can we do to address that? And usually i yeah. will come up and say, well, I'll probably need to communicate better. All right, so then we can do that. Well, next time you delegate a work and you have to do it, ask yourself, does it have to be done by 9 a.m. tomorrow? And if it does, spend like three or four minutes explaining the why, Yeah. you know, well, why? And then mate, if, it, if you don't have to send it up to the client because the client's changed their mind or something like that, have a conversation with the, the associate. So. Um, there's small things you can do. So you're looking and I won't be saying do that, but I'll be asking them, what do you think of the yeah. ways to do it? So it's not so much me. But last thing I want is a client to say, you told me to do this yeah. and it didn't work, right? I never get myself because it's not about me. I mean, I'm not the, I'm not the expert here. You're the expert. Yeah. It's your ways to try and explore what works for you. And an element of that is practice and trying it. Yeah. You will, you know, there is a fair element of like, okay, you've got your personality, you've got your style, you've got your strengths and weaknesses. You've got to find a way to try and achieve some of these things. And some that's like, well, I can try this. All right? Go and put it into practice. And then the next time I see him, we'll have a chat. Did that work? Well, kind of worked here. didn't kind of work there. Let's see what works. This, this sort of idea, it's not my philosophy, but this idea that you just sort of come in and you just sort of do this, this, and this, and it all sorts out. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. No, it's not life, I don't think. I don't think it's life. And I think what's interesting you mentioned the thought-provoking I call them thought-provoking seminars. So I've done this throughout the region in age and, and in the UK on webinar. And um, one of the ones I do is um, leveraging failure for high performance. Okay. And the idea is that, yeah. the, the, the general idea is that, you know, lawyers generally aren't that great at, not at making mistakes. I mean, being a perfectionist as a lawyer in a general sense is a very good trait, right? Yeah. To an extent, you know, if you're really exacting in that, some of the best lawyers are unbelievably exacting that, you know. Yeah. The danger of, of course, that is that's the complete opposite to being innovative, right? Yep. So the more perfectionist you are, the less likely you are to try something new. If you try and to try something new, then not everything you try will have an impact. Um, and so that dealing with the failure when things stuff up is an important aspect. So when I'm working with a client, that's one of the things I have in the back of my mind is, you know, we try things here. We yeah. try and see what works. And they're very, as you said, they're soluble. All my clients, I mean... They don't really make mistakes. They, they see things. They, they're, pretty, they're very self-aware once they're given the opportunity. Oh, I don't want to talk myself down, but one, one, of, the, one of the things is, you, one of the big benefits of having executive coaches as, as, as a law partner is you just have an hour to stop, yeah. you know, and, <laughs> and focus and reflect on your career. Like, like a lot of them are just busy, just smash, busy, reactive. It's like, well, is this the way you want Are you doing the things that you enjoy? You know, are you focus- Are you building your team? You want to build your team, got no time. So, how do we do this? You know, yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, so
0: it's it's as I said, it's 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 all I can just feel myself, you know, back in the firm way back when. we had an amazing three, you know, three, uh, three years and worked with some incredibly talented, talented people. Um, I can't, I'm gonna I hate asking this because I think it's such a stupid question. Because the, yeah. the generational thing, are you seeing a difference between a partner of, I don't know, being in the game 10 years and this next generation of lawyer coming through in terms of their kind of overall view on career trajectory on actually what they want to do, what they're seeing from what they're hearing from their clients and how things should be done kind of today versus what things were done, how things were done 20 years ago. Yeah, I'd say yes and no. And I would also say, I don't think I'm actually
1: a good, a good person to ask that. And the reason I Mm -hmm. say that is this, is if you come to me, if I, if a, a firm employs me to work with their council they're drinking the gatorade aren't they yeah. you know you're on this track as it is you want to be a partner you're doing the things that the firm mm-hmm. expects you to be the partner and they're whilst they're probably changed over time they largely fit the same mold as they have yeah. so if you're at that space if you're not that sort of form you've got a challenge right yeah that's fair if you don't if you want the freedom of a different sort of more reasonable hours, etc. Et particularly at the top end of town, the expectation on the hours is huge, right? And it's not so much an expectation. It's just what they do. Yep. You know?
0: It is. Um, it is. Yeah, indeed. Uh, so the reason I asked the question is I remember running a session for a um, client in London, a bunch of M&A yeah. associates, and uh, we were talking about profile and presenting profile, you know, your profile on, on LinkedIn, and I had an example of one of their um, uh, the partners, M&A partner. And the individual responded to me going, well, I think that's ridiculous. That's not who I am. And I have to work all these hours that I'm sent and I don't actually like my clients and this and that. I literally, I'm being an ex-recruitment consultant. We're 20 associates in this room. I kind of paused what I was doing. I said, well, no one's making you sit here. No one's making you come into work every day to do this. So if that's how you genuinely feel, then leave. And there's this kind of stunned silence that I thought we were here for social media training. I was like, no, seriously. And also, I didn't play. I said, look, if you don't believe in this, if you don't want to be here, then don't be here. But you're an associate for this firm. I got a good idea of how much money you're being paid to to do this in the age that you currently are. So you are a very, very lucky position. So you have a life choice to make. Do you suck it up and take the money or you just make a life decision? and move on the, in this individual then went very kind of uh, kind of very sheepish and I was like you know, no one is making you do anything that you don't want to to do in life right
1: yeah that's true but then the other side of that is to say you know we'd like to be a partner you just don't want to go through it this way yeah and this is the model you've got so you've got this sort of natural tension there is you make it you make a truthful point that's a valid point there is a way these law firms work and if you want to succeed in them then you have to conform to some degree element you know there is an element of that's the that's the culture of the firm you have to um what i would what i would say though is i think um one of the things i think when i particularly maybe at council level where you've sort of in that between you're trying to get partnership and you know partnership can be a bit like a carrot that just yeah sort of edging edging out sort of a little bit you can, there's gonna be a bit of frustration there with the whole system mm-hmm. and the model and stuff like that one of the things I often do is I just tell my clients that you have to remember you're in a crazy business model. Yeah. Your business model is a bit, is a bit mad, it's a bit screwy. Now, <laughs> that's unfair to say because, you know, if you're earning a couple of million dollars or pounds a year, it's very hard to say, you, you, you've got a screw Business model's up. wrong, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but from someone like me who's outside the law and um, who's outside the law, and you come and you, you know, you're dealing with, with the day to day metrics of things, mm-hmm. and they're, they're frustrated by the number of hours they're working. Stuff like that. That's right. You can make money two ways here. You can either work longer hours, or you can get those people around you to work longer hours. Yeah. And usually you do both. <laughs> right? um, so, and I think that's useful because I don't, as someone outside the firm, when I, let's just sort of, if I can just touch on quickly, it's like this idea of work life balance. Yeah. It's very hard to have work-life balance when you have, the, you know, when you have to work so many hours a day. Yeah. Um, and, and I often deal with this situation. It's like triage. If I have a client that's come to me and say they've worked 200 hours in the last 14 days, I don't, I don't say to them, you need to change this, this, and this. Because yeah. to be honest, it's triage, right? Yeah. Uh, in my my view, like you're dealing with a system, you're trying to make this system work, and there's going to be periods in time where they do some some of them yeah. doing this, and some people choose to do it. They do, and they can for a whole careers. So that that's their choice. That's not my that's not my prerogative to sort of judge or decide on that. But I do I do look at it and think, yeah, we're in a triage situation here. You're talking about fine tuning things. Mm-hmm. So what I'm looking at is that is is to fine tune it's like a triage situation you you're in the thick of it. you can't come in and get, make really big changes and I think that's one of the dangers um people can do who aren't who aren't familiar with the legal system you come in and go make all these big leadership changes like well actually, the changes you can actually make here are quite fine tuning if you start talking leadership with a partner who's smashed for time i mean you're just going to get glazed out of your eyes yeah um I come up with this like it's like a three formula. If you want to improve your leadership as a partner, there's kind of like three areas which you can sort of like a hack, almost like a hack. One is you just how you behave in meetings, mm-hmm. because you're on show in meetings, and yep. so everyone sees you. So it's a pretty obvious one. When you delegate work, whether you spend a little bit extra time to explain the why, mm-hmm. um, why it's important, what's it significant, etc. And two, when you give feedback on delegated work. If you can improve those, and when I say give feedback, that means not just like red lines across crossed fix, you know? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, okay, there's going to be times, I'm a realist, I'm a pragmatist, there's going to be times where you're going to be short and sharp, yeah. and the pressure's on, you've been up in Australia, maybe you've been on a call to Rio Tinto in London, you've been up all night and your, your associate gives you the something that's got typos in it and you're not going to be at the top of your, yeah. of your frame of mind, should we say. But generally speaking, if you can take the extra time to give some solid feedback, and I don't just mean feedback in the sense of like you need to fix this and this, but just taking a little bit of time to ask them. Yeah. All right, you didn't get this right. What could I do next time to help you get it right? Yeah. You no, know, just that little bit of a question. Those three things, and because I've when I've worked with some clients, I've gone and interviewed all their their reports. You know, all the juniors and associates yeah. to get a sense of these. And this is a theme. If you can sort of improve those three things, your your associate thinks you gr- think you're great.
0: Yeah. You know? and that 's kind of it's, and the thing is that 's not unique to law firms right that 's just good management skills that 's top down top up management your, junior, your, your subordinates should be able to feel they can manage up and you should be able to kind of manage uh, you know, manage yeah, down. I, I learned that very early on on in my career in, in my world of recruitment when we were quarterly driven heavily commission driven and um, I had an invoice which was then had to be rescinded because the candidate didn 't start, but I was looking at my commission check. And I just didn't tell the manager until after the quarter had finished. So I knew, I said, I know that's gonna hit me next quarter but I wanna get a commission check. He went absolutely ballistic at me initially and then took me outside to explain why that whilst you think that X whatever thousands of pounds is not very very many, there are a number of you around the firm doing this. That suddenly all rolls up to the top to actually quite a large number, which then, you know, we're a listed company. That start your yeah. times multiply that around the world. That starts yeah. to cause us a bit of a headache. So yeah. I'm far rather that you felt you were able to come to me and have that conversation, yeah. and we probably could have worked something out, rather than the stuff that I didn't have to deal with because I want to take that up because you didn't have that um, uh, that, yeah. uh, that conversation. So um, yeah, it's uh, as I said. And even though you know law firms are unique, and the the, the model is is unique at the end of the day you're running a business and you're actually running a people business and people need to be happy people need to be happy in, in in their work and if you've got happy people they're going to do things for you and i think you're completely right around everyone who goes into law kind of knows what they're going into so there is this kind of i know that this isn't going to be easy but if i do what i do the upside and the raw i'm not necessarily just talking financial in terms yeah, of the, the the job satisfaction in terms of what your work can be you know can be can be uh can be huge so um let's touch on social media does that ever come yeah. into anything that you all that you do in terms of your coaching or conversations around the outward side of things or not really
1: yeah, a little bit. A little bit. I mean, I would, uh, I would, it would be one of the aspects if we're talking business development, we've only accessed that I'd point a client, what are you doing on LinkedIn? What's mm-hmm. your prospect with that? Have you touched base with your business development? Yeah. Like one of the biggest things is just to get a senior lawyer to go and talk to their business development people, you know? Yeah. You know, like, you know, just go and have the conversation. What could you be doing more? What are they doing on LinkedIn and stuff, and stuff like that. Um, and look, my, one of my observations um, is I often say to clients, yeah, I saw your, I saw your article you posted on LinkedIn um it was written for other lawyers right thank you <laughs> yeah and i, I said well yeah, that's fine that's fantastic because one of the great things is that lawyers are one of the few professions that still read right yeah <laughs> and, and they'll read things and i know when myself when i've written articles at different times people have actually read them you know which is <laughs> like quite, quite a novelty for linkedin really is i mean it is. i have this joke right that you know i can write an article and i put a lot I, I don't just put content. I think about it like it's, mm-hmm. sort of a, it's a bit of a me in it and I put it out there. You know, a small number, 150 or something, people will actually go and actually yeah, read it. Yeah. But I'll take a photo of myself outside, like in a room in Hong Kong at, at Free Heels or something and, you know, doing a presentation and I'll have 3,000 people yeah. view it. <laughs> but you can be cynical about that, mm-hmm. but it's also the reality, right? Mm-hmm. This, is your, this is what your sort of reality. So, no, I wouldn't have a big say like you, but I'd be really interested in what you think lawyers
0: should be using linkedin for i think it's i think i believe five ten years ago even five years ago it probably wasn't so relevant if you fast forward today even pre-covid 19 you know we get told a lot that oh my my clients aren't on linkedin well if you put general counsel into linkedin i did it yesterday with a client i think there are six hundred and eleven thousand gc's on linkedin so you're telling me that your client base isn't on linkedin and then you've got, you got know, chief execs ctos heads of this, et cetera, et cetera. The next thing is then to understand we're now in this online world for the, you know, for the foreseeable. And this is where you can have business conversations. This is where you can then bump in, much like you and I, before, what, two, three weeks ago, you and I didn't know we existed on the planet. And here we are now having a, um, you know, a bona fide business conversation. And I do get a lot of where well, everybody knows who I am. Okay, within your circle of everybody knows who you are, that's great. But actually, why don't we start to expand that you know from the internal influence, let's expand that external influence and start to use the network online who knows who you are and advocate you and the firm. Let's not forget whilst it's the you know lawyers can still be, well, it's all about me, there is the firm behind this, and this can help you cross-sell, upsell, it's gonna help you move into um, other, er, other areas. And I guarantee there are people out there who don't know who you are may want to work with you may want to um, instruct you. And the other thing is certainly for counsel and the young generation of lawyer, this is absolutely critical in terms of how they're going to build their, bu- their book of business, how they're going to build their careers. Because if you look at, you know, I think, I think the average age of CEOs, especially certainly in the, like, the TMT tech sector is now kind of like mid thirties. Yeah. They're all online. They're all on Twitter. They're, and they will have a certain expectation that that's how I want to, um, uh, to communicate and so much like you know with um, with yourself when you and the great thing about LinkedIn is you can just show it if you don't believe me there it is and when they see that and when they and this is the majority when they see the logic of it and they realize this doesn't actually take that much time because yeah. it's just the the time is investing in your profile once that's done once you understand the mechanics of what we're trying to do and how the system actually works and get the system to work for you in terms of training your feed, the algorithm, curating your newsfeed, actually a quick like and a quick comment can be really, really powerful provided that it it's done in the right, um, the right place. And of course lawyers like metrics and you get the metrics on LinkedIn, but those are all um, you know, starting to change. So it's for me from a BD perspective, it is absolutely critical and also they need to own it because they're the subject matter expert. Because I get asked a lot, "Well, can my PA do this for me?" Well, no, because if he or she posts something on your behalf, then someone responds with a question. You can't then expect them to respond because they're not the technical experts and they're not not you. And I do see this what we refer to as posting and ghosting more so in the Big Four. You see a very senior person we will share an article on LinkedIn. And I play around with it. I, you know, I comment on it, thank them for writing it, to test whether they probably don't even know it's gone out on their behalf, it's been sent on their behalf. And at yeah. times, I've ended up having conversations with other commentators on the post, about the post. But the actual original author hasn't even come in to even like or get involved in the, um, uh, in, in the conversation. And much like you know, we recognize that social media isn't for everybody. And there's some yeah. who get it and absolutely fly. And they just, you can see within a half an hour, they totally get what we're doing. And I use them, I go, I know you're busy, but here are your peers at other firms. They are just as busy as you are, yet they are finding the, back to your triage point. They're finding the time in their working day to engage and look at what's happening to them in terms of their profile versus versus you. What would you say to this person who's a bit more like me, who's a bit hesitant to
1: Use LinkedIn, they're not going to be out there everywhere all the yep. time, you know. Because you get some people, LinkedIn, they're just content process, they're everywhere, it's personal, you know, they're just the extra bit. What would you say to someone that's a bit hesitant to use LinkedIn? Um,
0: and again, we get asked that asked that a lot it's the little, it's little and often will over time build your yep. brand. So start just okay. watching initially, just watch what other people are doing, uh, yep. and then a like then a comment, and I'll share some videos with you um, afterwards for you to, to have a look at. Just start to get a feel of how it's, uh, it works. But the clue is kind of in the word, it's a social network. So just start having conversations. And the great thing in terms of what you do, because you're you know, in the round of kind of executive coach, you can start commenting on CEO posts, you can start commenting on managing partners posts, go and find other executive coaches, listen to see what they're talking about, yeah just go and add, have a conversation with people as you would do now. And you're absolutely well within your rights to disagree with people as long as you disagree with that person in a face-to-face situation. I remember last two summers ago, huge argument online with an individual in the UK who didn't believe at the time that LinkedIn should be used for lawyers as a waste of time. I think the one okay. post we were debating, on ended up having 10,000 views. I got three business inquiries from it, from people I had no idea because they're like, I disagree with that individual, but I agree with what you're saying. And that that that's how it comes in so it's watch see what's going yeah. on and then just start to do a bit of a like a bit of a comment if no one responds it doesn't matter if you share something yeah. it doesn't go anywhere it doesn't matter back to what you were saying earlier yeah. try some things if it doesn't work try something else you know you can give me a call whenever and say i did do this it didn't work hey i'll have a look at what's you know what's what but the key thing is about being consistently present because yeah. if you're consistently present then much like you and I you start bumping into and the the, the beauty is that we've already discussed is that um lawyers are great at referring to other lawyers and if you can start to get into those conversations on online they see what you're doing um you could start doing your own podcast around this and interview some of your clients around what their experience was of working with with you we'll do vlogs and so on then just get out there and to my view, just start having fun. Now, bear in mind, I've been on the platform for, since the platform's basically been around. So for me, this is completely and awfully second nature. And I have to sometimes take a step back and recognize that for some people, this is terrifying. For them, genuinely, they say, they say to me, this, this is terrifying because their fear is, I'm gonna go viral, I'm gonna do something wrong, I'm gonna break yeah. the internet. Oh my God, yeah. what if somebody sees this? And you have to understand that from a psychological perspective. That's where they're coming from.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good point. That's interesting because you always think it's like all or nothing, right?
0: Yeah,
1: it's, that's the sort of thing you've got. To, yeah, and I think that's interesting. I mean, the interesting thing one is—I don't know—have your view on this, but connecting with other people—that's an interesting one. Like, I, I often contacted by people who are selling coaches to coaches, right? Yeah, and I get, and, yeah, it. yeah.
0: it's—I yeah, mean. So it's a weird one. So coach, I get people connecting with me saying, hey, use LinkedIn to generate leads. I'm like, really? <laughs> um, yeah, I haven't I had many no ones.
1: <laughs> I get ones like selling coaches like, I can give you so many hot leads in so many periods of time, right? And then they contact me with this, thing, this line for coaches, this line that has no reference to that. But yeah. I can see what your title is. I know why you want to connect with me. It's because you want me, to, you want to, you know, you want me as a client.
0: Yeah, and exactly. so I just say, no, it's not for me. <laughs> well, that's fine. I think, you know, from my perspective, that you, know, that, that, you don't necessarily want to connect with the, the competition. Um, if the connection inbound, they look half sensible, there's a crossover of people that you know and respect. My view yes. is connect with them because yeah. at the end of the day, um, you may never hear from them again. Um, they may engage with your content that may move, uh, move through and then, uh, and then um, uh, happy days. But in short, you, the more that you give to LinkedIn and social media, generally, but let's focus on LinkedIn because it's kind of where most people are in terms of professional right. services, the more it's, uh, it gives back. Well, Stuart, that has been awesome. Thank you so much. More than happy to have you on again, and we can do the whole social media piece in terms of, um, uh, of influence. Um, I could have carried on forever, but unfortunately, my time this end is. We just warmed up, didn't we? Yeah, exactly. As well, well I think. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll um, we'll have another more deep dive one on the the social media aspect from a um uh, from a prospecting perspective. But uh, thank mm-hmm. you. How can people, if in terms of my uh, my network, can, people can find you on LinkedIn. They can connect with you, say they've heard Absolutely. this, and if you want to um to do that, that'd be, okay. that'd be awesome. But um, uh, you didn't do a joke. I didn't even do a joke. No, no joke. joke about your the, the video. I not didn't do my, my hair, hair. That's right. I just say my, my camera. Hair. Next time. <laughs> Next time I'll do it. Next time I'll line it up. <laughs> I only have one joke too. So. <laughs> but um, thank you so much for your time. Um, I really appreciate it. And um, to all my listeners, thank you for tuning in. To everybody watching this, thank you. Please do connect with Stuart. I'll put the link in the podcast and on, um, uh, on the YouTube video. But otherwise, Stuart, keep safe, keep well, and we'll do this again. Excellent. Thanks, Alex. Yes.